You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss employs the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. And welcome once again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd podcast. Nerds. Oh, yeah. As always, I'm Russ, joined by Cap and Alex. Yo, yo. I, I, like, I, liked, I liked your little Paul impersonation there. That was nice. <laughs> it was subtle, Paul. Yeah, yeah it was that's reserved, my, Paul. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Paul exactly. on a Sunday. It's just like, how's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you ever wonder if, like, you know, they actually ever stop and take the time to listen to any of these podcasts and like they, they'll they'll play ours and go fuck these guys you know there seems like that would be about the highest honor to be told hey listen to your podcast what'd you think fuck you <laughs> yes i'd like to think they've got Success. a good sense of humor about themselves with as much as they hang around crank gas and he makes fun of the way gene and paul talks i don't know i mean you know i really i'm i'm, I'm curious and knowing that you know for, and thank you for anyone that's listening. Um, you know, there's a there's a certain divide from one era of Kiss to the next, and 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 you know, I I take a very staunchly you know pro, pro <laughs> classic era stance. Um, but you know what? I mean, I've gotten even messages on our Facebook saying, hey, really love the show, even though I'm in the 80s when you guys aren't digging on the, you know, tunes as much. So, hey, you know, I think the main worry we had that we would alienate really didn't happen. Even the fans of that era kind of get where we were coming from, at yeah. least to a point. They yeah. may not agree with us, but I don't think we pissed anyone off. Yeah, I saw Jeff Williams the other night, and he kind of said something more along those lines, too, although he punctuated with, uh, by the way, War Machine fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> But he also made a comment the other day yeah, about it rules the, the sphincter region of my ass. <laughs> well, I saw where it is a good riff. <laughs> well, I saw where he made a comment about uh, Psycho Circus and about how we compared uh, Kiss to Led Zeppelin yeah. as to um, you know who was who were they pitching to, who was their audience, and uh, why they chose to go the route that they did, and why Led Zeppelin you know didn't have to do anything. And the difference is that Led Zeppelin was not desperate well yeah it's a i mean that's he kind of missed my point but i'm not i don't want to go back and retread it oh, okay well, um but, i mean his point <laughs> his point comments out there guys I, I th- he made uh, but he was making the same point i was kind of going well that's kind of what i was kind of getting at but it's a little different because of time and place and what have you well um, you know i think even if we were to retread over that a little bit it may flow into this because we were talking about where are they trying to reach with this new audience well one of the things they do on this tour is really trying to reach a broad audience which well, is really a movie my whole thing is i don't think I, yeah i don't i don't I, if they're trying to reach a new audience it's like who do they think is going to actually buy that was really the question it's like it's right. not good mm-hmm. anyway right so it's like I mean uh, if I and if I was a 
19 year old in 1998 i'm not going to be buying a kiss record well think about this though uh, going into uh, what we're going to talk about this is kind of a time where like movies like dazed confused and 70s oh, nostalgia well, we're, we're, we'll is. get to that in a minute okay um, well, actually, we're going to get straight away, but uh, the, to kind of pick up the thread, uh, we're going into the what the first farewell tour, I guess you would call it now. Right. Um, I would say it was the farewell tour. We'll make that point later. <laughs> the final date of the uh, Psycho Circus tour was Mexico City on April 24th, 1999. And coming off that tour, they start making one-off appearances, starting with... Uh, August 9th, 1999, they played the premiere mar- uh, premiere party, easy for me to say, for the movie <laughs> Detroit Rock City. So going into, like you said, movies like Dazed and Confused and... Um, Just 70s nostalgia. There was a, that, that showed the, that 70s show. And typically, the nostalgia thing operates on a 20-year cycle in the 70s. The nostalgia phase was for all things 50s. You had, you know, American Graffiti, Happy Days, and that sort of thing. In the 80s, particularly the late latter half of the 80s, you had everything was 60s. I mean, the Grateful Dead, for God's sake, made a comeback. Yeah. Um, like a big commercial I was say, comeback. Wasn't that around the time they were trying to do another um, um, uh, Woodstock? No, that would have been that later like- on. Yeah, early nineties. They did that as a as an anniversary show, but then the late six in the late eighties, you know, you had shows like the Wonder Years, um, movies that were about Vietnam, the Vietnam era, and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I don't know who had nostalgia for that, but whatever. <laughs> and of course, people that it, really want some CCR in their life. And <laughs> yeah. it stands to reason part of the success of the reunion tour for Kiss was because it tapped in at the front end of that seventies nostalgia. Um. So somebody somewhere comes up with this idea that they're going to they want to write a script and it be centered around kids trying to go to a kiss concert. Yeah. Um and this results in the movie called Detroit Rock City. Not a big hit movie. Um Now do you have any theories as to why? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. But I mean right out of the shoot, it's essentially a B movie made yeah. by B movie people. That's right. part of the problem or maybe success depending on your point of view right Uh, this apparently started as a script written in the early mid 90s by somebody named carl dupree um i don't know how it falls into the hands of gene simmons yeah the way i've i've heard it's a real convoluted story it is it's very it's different moments sounds like it was a script that gene was pitching to different people or and then other times it was the studio came to him with an idea i don't think the studio this was financed outside of the studio system they had to go outside and secure independent financing well um, i mean the three of us in this room right here could call ourselves a studio yeah. so i mean well, no, just, just they, because when i say studio it doesn't mean the big blockbuster people well, even, like, even the b-movie people have studios yeah but they still didn't that's not what happened. Well, I'm just saying, in Genie's <laughs> is Genies, what he's saying. Yeah. Gene somehow gets it and decides he's going to produce this movie. I guess he partners with Barry Levine. Yeah. Barry Levine, I think, was already into producing at this point. He Barry had Levine been. had been a photographer in the 70s and did a lot of the iconic KISS photography that, you know, your KISS lunchbox and stuff like this, your notebooks, the famous pictures the of them on the acrylic squares um and then of course the whatever (laughs) but um 
real popular one out of that actually came of uh, the Ace session when he had the all silver space jumpsuit mm-hmm. during the uh, yeah. solo album well, he, covers. I mean, just a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also, there's a woman named Kathleen Haas, I guess is how you pronounce her last name. Um, so they secured their independent financing, and uh, the film is eventually picked up by New World Pictures. Yep. Uh, in something called a negative pickup, which I don't know enough about movies. I meant to do some look up on this, but I just honestly, I got lazy and didn't care. And so, uh, you know, anyone that's invested in this lost money, but I was going to say, what do they have hype hopes for it all? I mean, other, well, you said it was a negative pickup. So I imagine it was one of those where it was, you know, it was released with, to X amount of theaters, but not expecting a huge return I, or anything basically, like that. I don't. I think you know. I think they were hoping it was going to get a forward momentum off of the fact that it's a Kiss reunion thing. I'm sure that um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how far they thought the band themselves would be actively involved in this movie, right? Um, because they're not like the leads in this movie. No, or anything they're like that they're just the figureheads. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, it was also directed by uh, Adam Rifkin, and uh, he had a, he I feel like had a whole lot to do with this film. Like anytime I've heard Gene discussing the film, he always refers back to Adam Rifkin as having like the ultimate vision for the thing. Well, he wasn't first choice. No, he wasn't second choice. This is Kathleen Haas's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, the first choice was. Uh, if, if Gene's telling you, it's probably Steven Spielberg, no. right? <laughs> you mentioned Dazed and Confused, Richard Linklater. Oh, okay. Um, well, that would have made. Who yeah. also, of course, would go on to do School of Rock. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, he turned it down. Uh, this ends up being filmed independent. You know, it's an independent production. They film it in Canada, probably to remove themselves from. Uh, union constraints. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm just. I'm guessing. That, I don't. I might be wrong tax about breaks that. Also, yeah. But it's filmed in the fall of 1998 on a budget of 17 million dollars. And you know how much it grossed? Five million dollars. <laughs> nice. I see six, but either way, that's that's. But who's counting after that? It's released. It was released at the end of summer in 1998. No, 99. 99. Yeah. Sorry, and does absolutely no business. Yeah. But I love this little baby. I I just love it. <laughs> I was gonna ask if you liked it or not. I do. It's silly, and some of the gags don't work. It's poorly written, <laughs> but that's kind of the charm of it. But I love it. It's kind of- actually, it's not poorly written. I think it's. I think the direction was pretty clever. I've seen some criticism of the direction, but I think that's part. Some of it's. You know, it kind of has like a dazed, confused meets Jay and Silent Bob kind of. Well, it's got. I think it has its own kind of action to it. I think if it had a little bit stronger script or maybe better gags, a little something that was, you know, it, I mean, it's it's not it's not clever enough to be. I mean, it's clever enough to be. It could you can see what the potential of a movie like that would have been, you know, in better hands with a little more care and concern, with a little bit, you know, stronger writing sense of humor or jokes or whatever you want to call it. The gags could have been funnier. I totally agree. I think one of the things though that kind of I think kind of leads into something subconscious that you like about it because you're saying you know the the direction may have been better, the writing could have been better, this, that, and the other. But for some reason, there's still something about it that you just spark. 
the spark is is the same reason people are really digging into stranger things right now they got the time period correct and, and, and you know around that time the, like you said the big revival of the 70s a lot of it looked like costumes a lot of it looked like oh they're putting on a 70s look everything about this movie from the way the school was the way the church cars the way they spoke haircuts everything nothing screamed 90s kids pretending to be in the 70s from the ground up from an aesthetic point of view i feel that they knocked it out of the park well you don't know for certain because you weren't really there to begin with well, you look at photos yeah, yeah, and I everything know. else <laughs> it's all we got. It, i think i think they it, it, it largely that it gets it okay um I think, you know, where it kind of fails is like, um, you know, you've got the four kids. Edward Forlong from uh, Terminator. Yeah, Edward Forlong. <laughs> you know, um, I think I think he's pretty solidly on point. The the kid that plays uh, Jam, the, the drummer kid, the kind of the lead kid. Um, uh, Sam Huntington. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he strikes me. I don't know I, 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 that character. I'm saying strikes me a little like he's the oddball in that circle of friends. But I think the 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 problematic character is the one. Um, see, I can't remember the characters' names. Uh, you've got Hawk, Hawk uh, Jam, is, Lex, and Trip. Which one's Lex and which one's Trip? Uh, Lex was the I think the bassist and okay. G- and Trip was the Ace Frehley. Uh, yeah, type. okay. The the Trip character is obviously a re a rehash of Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times, right. yeah. but not near as funny or as clever or as good. And I think that's one of the failings of the movie. If they had been able to in in imbibe that character with more originality mm-hmm. and less kind of gooniness. You know, I think, you know, because I think has like a I knew Hughes kids look. like that. But, you know, it's that's a caricature of the kids that I knew. I mean, they, they were a little bit slow yeah. on the ball and they were probably a little bit stoned most of the time or whatever. But they weren't that dumb. But, of course, this guy has to be that dumb for them to set up some of the like one of the best. <laughs> one of the best gags in the film is of course they win their tickets and he hung up the phone before yeah. he gave the DJ's name and that, that yeah. part where they're like everything's like rocking and they're going up the elevator yeah, yeah. and then as they lose they realize they didn't get the tickets and they're coming down the elevator and what song's playing? The Pina Colada song. Yeah. Like the the, the the absolute epitome of lame. Like the lame. How lame can it be? Yeah, they're playing that song. It's like it's just like adds you know salt to the wound. I think stuff like that. I think is really funny. You know, and you Um, know, well, I think one of the reasons why he may have been played up to be a little goofier and a little bit more silly than most kids around that age is something I kind of touched on. Is it feels like we each of the kids they tried to be a semi mirror of the four members of kiss yeah so, that doesn't so think work about it with jam yeah. he was the hopeless romantic yeah. that was in love with the girl yeah. that had what but a catholic upbringing well, so did peter i don't think and that, then with ace kind of being a little bit of the fuck up partier of the group i don't paul being the lead guy which was jam 
in the gym. You mean Hawk? I mean Hawk. Yes, but Hawk. Hawk, I don't. I I don't see a parallel in that. I I can see maybe a few broad strokes, but yeah, I don't see. Certainly, Hawk isn't Paul Stanley at all. What about the inclusion of uh, Shannon Tweed as like the uh, what was she a prostitute? And if you're going to have a gratuitous appearance, Jeremy was in it. If you're going to have a gratuitous appearance of Shannon Tweed, you know, and deny us the gratuitous appearance of her breasts. Um, you think Gene would have flown for that? I mean, that's what she's famous for. But do you think Gene would have been like, yeah, uh, pop them out probably, for my movie? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't know. That whole scene, you know, it, looking at it in hindsight in today's climate, you know, I mean, it's, it's weird. Because <laughs> Shannon weird. is clearly older in that scene. It's not like they tried to make her young. You know, it's and, like and she's molesting like, a teenage cool? boy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, which of course, a teenage boy in 1977 or 78 when this movie takes place is, I'm sure, going to be like, molest me, please. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Shannon Tweet shows up and goes, I don't want to uh, molest you. Yes, please. <laughs> you know, teenage boys are just going to be different. Yeah, thoughts and opinions shared a, on this show or that of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's a different time. It's no, a, it, even when the movie is made, it's just a different time. You can't do stuff like that now, I guess. But this is the era of American Pie. There's no way that movie would get made today. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and that actually, you led. Thank you for that. You lead me into something really good, which is I think that's the reason why this film did not succeed. This is no worse or better, but no worse than any of those teenage coming of age American Pie movies that were coming out at I'd the time. I agree with that too. This is no worse. The problem was they didn't know how to promote this thing. Is it a kiss film? Is it a teenage film? Is it a retro film? It's all of the above. And yeah, they exactly. Really yeah. But no one in the marketing department knew what to do. Kiss is the hot new thing. Do we promote it as the Kiss movie? Well, they're barely in it. Do we promote this as like another American Pie movie? Well, we need something to differentiate I it. Think, I think one of the flaws in this movie, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay, is the appearance of Kiss themselves in the movie. They should not have been in the movie. Really? Yeah. I think when that, I remember that, watching it thinking they needed more. I think Kiss are the, um, you know, that's just the, um, what do they call it? I don't know. Well, it kind of uh, reminds me of the movie uh, Fanboys as well, where they go to meet up and get in the shenanigans going to see Star Wars Episode One. And it stops right before. Right, the that's movie where it starts. starts. It's like the, the part where he goes, "Okay," and he's <laughs> opening the doors, and the, you know that's where it should end. That's or a, that's hey. a perfect spot to end. It's like because you can't recreate that time as much as they tried, and they did a pretty decent job. Uh, you know, kiss nerds are going to be like, "Like that's a long wrong." They did. <laughs> they did. I was just about to say that they did, and and everything. But uh, I mean, you know, and. Uh, it's not filmed well. Yeah, it, I would agree. You know, they didn't know how they, to shoot this. They didn't shoot it well. It's it, it's just not staged well. well. Well, you guys brought up an excellent point. I never thought about this, but I started like writing it further when you guys mentioned it. So when the security guard hands him the tickets and says, all right, here you go, and does the little slow-mo thing, credits, but have the credits on one side of the screen. The other side of the screen in a smaller box show the old, old kiss cast. Yeah, that would have been good. Because that, yeah. that, that whole front end, the opening credits are awesome. And that's what and I'm I mean, saying. Where do you I, say that about a movie where you're like, oh, the opening credits. <laughs> I will know, but say those opening, the opening credits are cool. I will say the, those opening credits 
was the mental inspiration for the intro of this show. Because, oh, yeah. because of like the different fire and right, like all the right. different news pieces. Right. Just everything about that intro kind of implanted in my head. And that was kind of the inspiration for the intro to the show. And it kind of captures the uh, mystery of Kiss of that uh, time period, well, that's, too. That's the reason why they should not have been in it themselves. Because it helps, you know, that's part of the mystique. It's like, Did you not like the Gene Tongue cam? No, it was clever, but I just it was a camera you know, inside yeah. his mouth with the flopping tongue. But, but even oh that, but even that, I I, that, you know, I, that gag had been used before. That they did that in Little Shop of Horrors, the movie. Yeah, and, and I'm just you know, you can see where they culled some ideas from other places, and it was like, okay, we've seen some of this before. But again, the mystique of all of it, the idea of being a kid in that time, Kiss was so over the over. I mean, you know, that mystique was over everything, you know, and and the delivery of actually having it takes away from, you know, I think from the movie, the, the it's all about the impulse of trying to go do this thing, and it's a collective thing that well, they're all sharing. Well, how else would Jam have been able to catch the drumstick? I understand that, but <laughs> I mean, all that of that was cool too. That was a callback I mean, to some of the. Well, that's sticks. where some of the story doesn't work. How they end up getting the tickets is kind of dumb, and and whatever else, but. Yeah, that was that. Well, yeah, <laughs> but um, it almost would have worked even just as well, if not better, had they not even made it. Like they're outside the concert, they're just dejected. They didn't make it. And then I like, could see that working. You know, it'd have to be written yeah. and done a particular way. But it's it, you know, but by God, we're going to make it next year. You know, mm-hmm. it, but, but that 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 I think would have had more of a. Or if, resonance to it, or if it's like it'd be really cheesy. But if they're outside missing the concert, and then like an hours later they bump into the guys in the band outside the venue somewhere, and they're like, "Oh hi, you want to do this or whatever?" Dude, I I can remember uh, my brother got to see him in '79. A friend of mine's dad drove them up there and sat in the parking lot, while, you know. But there were kids out in the parking lot they couldn't get in, you know. And I yeah. think about that. It's like think about those kids that got that far, you know. It's like you get that far and you're just listening to it through the fucking doors. You know? And all you hear is this. You never hear stories about people that did that. No. But I think it's interesting that the time between this movie's release and today is actually longer than the time the movie is set and yeah. the actual release of the movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, wow. That's fucked up. Yeah. Why'd you do that? Because, <laughs> because I remember yeah. when this movie came out, Russ. What the fuck? The time's not, the time's not real. There's it's all a, good. I've written there's a real dissonance in how fast things changed in the second half of the 20th century to how slow things have changed in the 21st century. And we... We, we've we've seen a lot of great advancements as far as our technology and stuff, but essentially, we haven't culturally changed much. Same Whereas culture was changing, <laughs> culture changed radically in the latter half of the of the twentieth century. There's something I've argued about this with my son. I'm like, there's something about that last half of the twentieth century that's never going to re- be repeated. There, people are going to be studying that shit a hundred, two hundred years from now. Like, what was going on? What were they drinking? <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, you see the rise of. You know, popular music, you know, all Boy the avenues of it. Stuff like that. Well, I'm just saying in the latter half, I'm saying from the point of um, like the mid, the you know, even before going to as far back as the 20s, the rise of radio, the rise of recorded music, music as a, as a commodity that you could purchase and own, which, of course, is no longer that that's gone. You know, it's all ones and zeros now. Once the music's out there, 
it's out there. It's yeah. information. Just dancing you know. monkeys at this point once again. But <laughs> back then, you did not have that technology. All that, you know, and, and you saw the way, like, style was constantly changing and evolving. And you, I, I always look at it from just the 60s perspective. Eight-year period between the Beatles showing up and the Beatles breaking up. And look at what they look like at the start and what they look like at the end. Yep. And it looks like. A, a generation <laughs> yeah it does i mean but it wasn't and it was a, you know that's a sh- that's the same length of time as Ma- kiss making their first album and then making unmasked or uh, the elder you know yeah. it's just a weird you know yeah how much things were changing so rapidly so fast up to that point you know we laugh about those styles within the movie they make sight gags about the the, the fashion the yeah. and stuff you know but the fashions that we wear today aren't that far removed from 20 years ago now no but, you know it's just things just slowed way down as far as that goes i just I, that's the stuff that i pick up from when i watch these movies where they're doing the retro thing that's why i don't think there's any real nostalgia now for like the early 2000s i mean there's a I minor would. nostalgia for the 90s and that's kind of where that sort of stops you know that you know i think it's just because we haven't seen it yet because i remember kind of growing up and getting like maybe 16 17 and thinking back on the things i liked growing up in the 90s and kind of looking around as being like there's nothing there, for it be a, but now that my generation is in their 30s right there's going to be a minor nostalgia thing but for, like for the 90s music, for example yeah, that's a big but, thing now yeah that so, would be so the, the kids getting a little older but it's not it's it. not as it's not as pronounced as what i mean it's no. like you're not going to see movies made that are going to be like you know scene kid emo movies no. like where they're i mean they might not be yet. but it what it, it you know it won't have the same resonance you're not seeing a whole cycle of films well, I mean, and TVs, this could get, this could get us way and, off topic but i think it's just because all of that stuff was so disposable by them yeah the things that they have quote-unquote nostalgia for had greater quality and, to it so you kind of linger for something that had a little bit more meat on its part bones. of that is because again it's the ones and zeros thing because stuff that's the download generation once that stuff became so readily accessible it was also as easily disposable yeah. whereas before you 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 saved your money to if you're a kid you know you saved your allowance or whatever you had to do to go buy your album or cd in the 80s and it became something that you had now a vested interest in you spent your money you're going to give this the time and interest you know what i mean whereas opposed to where it's like i downloaded this in 10 seconds oh i don't like that i'm going to free up my disk space yeah yep. and that's that's why rock and roll is dead all right, Gene. No, it is. I'm not saying. I'm look. I mean, it's not as ever going to die, die. But I'm saying, as a major cultural force, that's as the martial music of teenagers. It's done. Yeah, it's, I agree with that. It's completely done, and it's all hip hop, rap, and R and B, and it's the new thing right now. What is it? Because I don't want to listen to what I was listening to three months ago. Yep. You know that shit's old. That shit's fucking man. You can listen to that old shit. You know, <laughs> it's gone. It's over. Our generation still clings desperately onto it, like it's our life raft. You know, <laughs> you know. And I'm oh, that man. guy. You I'm can still do a whole other podcast about this. I'm too. the guy. You know, and I'm the guy doing it. That's the reason why we're doing this I podcast. Know it. It's like I'm clinging <laughs> desperately onto my rock and roll over. We, we, you know, we are the problem. <laughs> uh, on August 11th. I guess a week later, they did the premiere party, and they included. Uh, I, I, I meant this. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. August, what was it? They, we said they did the premiere party August 9th. Yes. 
uh, other bands that play, I think were the Cheap Trick play, I'm pretty sure. Get that pulled back up. And I think Everclear, they, of course, they were tying it in with some of the 90s bands doing right. covers of 70s stuff. That soundtrack had actually, some yeah, really only, strong shit on it. Yeah, yeah it UFO and Everclear. the Runaways. There's a Pantera cover of Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um, they were trying to they were trying to patch in. Right. I think uh, at this point, I think the wave was kind of subsiding and I, I think it's also a little too little too late but no the uh, so the only band that fully played aside from kiss was everclear but robin zander rick nielsen hopped up for surrender ah uh, okay there you go yeah i watched that they showed that on tv really I, yeah I'm, I'm sure that video was readily accessible the kiss portion is on one of the kissologies yeah, and i think they're lip-syncing no, it's an actual oh, performance. performance. Yeah, because because during that one, uh, Paul tries to adjust his microphone and it completely comes off the stand. So he's holding like the microphone with like half of the bass singing Detroit Rock City and not strumming. Boy, that and, isn't a metaphor for their entire career. That <laughs> <laughs> so he was actually singing because he stopped playing guitar and you hear a guitar dropout. So no, they weren't limp seeking. Uh, August 11th, 1999, they are awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. This gets a sizable amount of press. So, you know, they're, they're, it's interesting to me. They got so much press around this time, but this doesn't translate for the movie at all. No. Which is Nor, interesting. Uh, Psycho Circus previously. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, now, now, I, now, you know how people get their stars on the Walk of Fame, right? Well, I know a little bit. There's people that there's there's money involved. There's definitely money involved, more so than people realize. Like you do have to have specific credentials, but it's not happening without a paycheck, Mm. and so to speak. Um, I wonder how much of all of this was a Dot McGee thing. It's you know who knows and funded by who knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) who knows. It got it, it. worked at the end of the day. It's all that. All that is. All it's ever been is a PR stunt. Yeah, it works. It gets them their PR. They did, and this got surprisingly uh, a sizable amount of PR. Yeah, because I can remember that getting on on some straight news stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Just validation getting, for Kiss fans that yeah. got picked on back in the day. Yeah. You know? Well, all that I, stuff always is. And speaking of validation, if anyone's interested in kind of seeing a little bit of a deep dive into the Hollywood Star Walk of Fame stuff, uh, there's a great documentary about trying to get um, Adam West, his star. Yeah. And that's a really good watch. Okay. Because it took a lot for even just for Adam West to get his star. And he was fucking Batman. <laughs> you know, so it, it's a really good doc. Sometimes money doesn't solve all. Uh, August twenty third, they are play. They uh, they appear on World Championship Wrestling Monday Nitro. Yeah, <laughs> Cap, take is, the microphone on this one. So, if I recall uh, correctly, this is where they're trying to push a Kiss themed character there called a, the Demon, right? Yes. Um, they get paid five hundred thousand dollars for this. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing that is a, insane. I know, right? This goes to show. I mean, by it goes this, to show that wrestling had that much money. Holy well, shit! Well, <laughs> I mean, back then it was red hot. Yeah, well, but I, no, well, this, this company end, was well, hemorrhaging was, money. This and was the tail end of WCW. Now that I'm that goes into a whole nother area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this, Eric Bischoff? <laughs> this is this is a whole nother nerd area. Well, this is uh, the same company that brought in the Misfits too around the same time, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty similarly, yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna um, say I thought it was WCW Nitro. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, 
but the, here the, the, you know uh, they bring in this wrestler uh, uh, I guess a, a, a originally Kiss approached the World Wrestling the then what it was called the World Wrestling Federation now it's World Wrestling Entertainment yeah, Vince McMahon for he approached them and of course Vince McMahon's like wait a minute you want us to use characters you create I, that's not what we do no. here. we <laughs> so, create the characters we i mean he's the same thing it's like we create it it's ours you know we mean that's I. why <laughs> you, you see a lot of guys that appear in in one company as you know the slobber knocker or whatever generic name and then they go to the <laughs> other company and they, <laughs> and they change their name completely because they got to own the gimmick they got to own everything about it well think about where wrestling was in that time period too where everything's you know large than life there's explosions there's Undertaker right. and it's, you know it's, all these like monster characters like Kane and Mankind but, but and stuff too. It made sense, but again, Vince learned in the hard way through other wrestlers that had their own their copyright and their names. Right. He's like, uh, we own our shit. So he wasn't gonna do that. But of course, you know, Eric Bischoff is running WCW, but it's Ted Turner's money, so he's like, fuck it. Sure, we'll do it. Pretty much. Let's throw it at the wall and see what happens. Well, it goes splat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lowest rated segment in the history of Monday Night What? <laughs> I'm, and, and look, huge Misfits fan. I've got the posters all around. I would have swore those would have been the lowest rated because those well, were they didn't pretty play. stinky. They didn't play music. They didn't play music, they but were they just fought. characters. And <laughs> they yeah. didn't, they, and were, they were just part of a menagerie. They had no impact whatsoever. Neither did this. <laughs> they, they hyped this as something big. Yeah, I mean, the they demon. pushed this uh, you know, like this was something. And then the wrestler is just never used to any significant degree whatsoever. He's there. Mm-hmm. They actually they played they, like three matches. They they will the first something guy like that, that portrays him is yeah. drops out and they replace him with somebody else. Yep. A guy named Tail Tor. There's an interesting interview with uh, the second wrestler uh, on YouTube for a while that explained his side of it. And yeah, it was. Yeah, these are. They were never going to do anything with this guy. He was always going to be mid card at best. They yep, weren't. It wasn't like was they were going to have this guy in the. Ma- I mean, come on. This was a bad idea from the word go. And then this a year later, a, that company goes under. Yeah. yeah, and they knew it on the inside, like paraphrasing it best. Uh, but the guy was essentially saying when he got hired on as the demon, they're like, look, play this out a while. We're going to clear you out, and then you can become something else. Yeah. You know, <laughs> why wouldn't they partner up with like Sting or something like that, who's wearing like the white face paint? And- why even do it at all? <laughs> I mean, it's just a bad idea. I mean, there's just nothing good about it. I mean, the Kiss spectacle and the wrestling spectacle at the time kind of matched each other in a lot of yeah, ways. Well, they, they they ostensibly, yeah, but when putting put into play, it didn't work. Right. So they lip sync God of Thunder. Yep. Um, but the hits keep on coming. Now, now this October, one, oh, I love this are one. Are we on the same page yes, here? October 29th. <laughs> oh, boy. They play a lip sync set at this thing called Pixelmon Eyebash. Yes. Um, okay. Now the, now, the reason this fascinates me 
is because for folks that are listening that aren't aware, you know, I am in the tech space. I thoroughly, that kind of stuff fascinates me. So in October 99, this company called Pixelon is trying to create essentially what we're all enjoying today, which is live streaming TV. They were going to live stream a concert directly to computers. Well, I think the whole thing was basically it's YouTube before YouTube. Yeah. Okay. They were going to, they were going to, back then, if you were watching any kind of video on, the internet it was always heavily pixelated it yeah. was that they couldn't tr- they didn't have the ability to do broadcast quality video this was purported to say we're going to do broadcast quality video on the internet yep Being so directly to your computers in 1999 well he did not possess the technology to actually do that. <laughs> no he did not uh the company actually folded less than a year later in may 11th 2000 and the company's executives admitted that the company had passed off microsoft's own technology as its own creation okay. so they basically lied the entire time the founder no, I, I this was this. this whole thing was put together by a guy named michael finney mm-hmm and he has the who he has kiss i forget who else sugar ray okay so, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, <laughs> and some of these acts took their payment in pixel on stock <laughs> Oof. the problem here is michael finney is actually uh not his name he is his real name was david stanley and he was a convicted felon involved in stock scams what <laughs> And only uh, two years prior, he was on the, the quote on the lamb and living out of his car. Wow. And he comes up with a scam, and uh, you know they get they, he he pulls this off, and um, there are DVDs that have come out of performances the Who played, and theirs is called the uh, Vegas Job. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. the playing off of the scam. Um, the Kiss DVD, I don't know. It's it's out there. It's entitled it Live in Las Vegas, but I'm not, and it's not to be confused with this other Las Vegas one. Right. <laughs> and I don't know how official this is or how it's it got, not. how they get it out, how it's out there without it being. So, uh, Pixelon was, had their own TV channel called Pax TV, um, and they were showing clips the following days. Someone, somewhere that I feel is also probably connected to some drama right now has found that and they were releasing dvd copies of it it's still commercially available you it, on certain things yes like certain streaming sites you can still I find think you can order this on amazon really well see i remember there was a kiss it's online a DVD. yeah i remember but there was a kiss online post of them like destroying a ton of those dvds that oh, they wound up finding it's out there they it's, don't want it to be well of course no, not because <laughs> It's a really, it's just a lip sync performance. It's really kind of. Is it a whole concert of lip sync? No, it's a uh, shout it out loud. Love Gun, God of Thunder, and Rock and Roll All Night. But I think I've got my DVD copy still. I have one somewhere. But the Who's Vegas job was all live. I think they played live. Why did Kiss choose the lip sync then? I think the problems with Ace and Peter. I don't even know that. I don't. Who knows? Possibly, Uh, December thirty first, a show was staged in Vancouver to record ostensibly what would become a live four now this doesn't happen um well it, well, it does but it, it doesn't happens, but, but not in, in the, the time frame yeah right uh it was announced with a fair amount of publicity but it doesn't see released until 2006 as part of the alive box set mm-hmm. which itself is a rather cheaply cobbled together kind of set kind of a 
whatever. Uh, right. It's retitled the Millennium Concert. Yeah. However, I don't think that very much of this, if any of this show, is actually that show. <laughs> no, it's not. And so to even type back to the show we were just talking about, the October 29th show, mm-hmm. on the Kiss FAQ, it is noted, uh, it said that uh, on closer inspection, it is clear that the audio for Rock and Roll All Night is the same version that shows up from the box set, a live four version. Well, there you go. Uh, another so another album concerts. will bump its way in line to be entitled The Life 4, which we'll discuss later on down the line. Um, but I remember the hype for this. So this is around the time that I, my grandmother had gotten dial-up, and it was like really good and like all this stuff. So it's like I was visiting Kiss Online all the time, and they announced a Live 4. And I remember genuinely being excited for this. And like waiting for it and waiting for it, and this was like the first record I remember ever kind of being canceled. Yeah. It was the, it was a record I was genuinely looking forward to, and yeah, it just kind of disappeared Psych. off the face of the pl- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that it was well worth the wait when it finally did come out, but <laughs> well, uh, January third, uh, Kiss play in Anchorage, Alaska. With a greatly scaled down production for reasons I do not really know, but because it's Alaska, (laughs) yeah, possibly. And um, so I guess technically that might be the run, the last run of their cycle. Well, I I don't know. I wouldn't say that was part of the Psycho Circus cycle. I've got this in between. It's just this weird period between Psycho Circus and the start of this next tour. They're they're just doing these these one offs. Yeah. I don't understand the one off thing. Like I don't understand how startup costs and everything can be rolled into the you know, production costs to pull off a one off show, but obviously there's a there's a something going on There's a model for it now. Yeah. Um then February fourteenth, two thousand. It is announced that Kiss will be touring as the farewell tour, and this is kind of like the uh, this is the beginning of a band's kind of using that as a uh, model. To no, sell their- there's been I think some other bands have done that, and and I think people right out of the gate were calling this like bogus, but you know because by this point it has an admittedly cheap ring to it. You know the farewell tour, right? Um. I don't know what my opinion of it was at the time. I've, I've given this a lot of thought. I'm pretty sure I believed it to be true. Mm-hmm. I, I, it seemed logical to me. It seemed like it was the only option they had. Um, the only other option was to wait it out longer between tours to kind of resatiate demand. It's, we talked about that, I think, in the previous episode. Yeah. But, um, you know, to me, this is two years too late it should have yeah. been you know they i i they you know we kind of got the rug pulled out from under our feet with this false pseudo reunion album which wasn't a reunion album no and it wasn't a good album you know i don't think they would have made a good album even with all four original guys you know i don't think that independent of each other they did anything worth a shit for the 17 years they were apart what made you think that the four of them collectively together were going to do something good maybe i could have been you know we don't know we'll never know because they didn't do that instead we got what we got yeah Uh, this makes sense to me so you know um you know like i said the only other option was to wait it out longer in between tours essentially what they do now what they've done since only minus the original members yeah 
So, so, so another thing I want to ask though is I went back and was re-listening to a, that really famous press conference of the four of them with like that swirly blue background discussing, you know, this is the farewell tour, this is not a soundbite, this, that, and the other, and Ace is all pickled out and everything else sitting off in the corner. Do you guys believe that they thought that they were saying goodbye to the original four? Or did they genuinely think this is going to be the end of Kiss? I think they, at that point, they probably thought it was going to be the end. I don't think that they, I don't think they realized at that point that they could successfully continue in the makeup and costumes with other people. Okay. Not until one particular moment. Right, well, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah. at, at this point, I think they were like, "Well, you can't." I mean, what do we, you know? They certainly weren't going to go back to non-makeup kiss because who the fuck wanted to see that yeah yeah nobody <laughs> you you just gave nobody. us you just gave us prime rib you just gave us the beautiful steaks for the last hey. few years you want us to take the bologna sandwich right right <laughs> <laughs> and you know there's kiss fans out there going, oh, I'd pay to go see it yeah you'd pay to go see it at your fucking local nightclub that's the truth of it yeah that's exactly They'd that's what they're band. looking at that's why that's why i believe that they thought that this was farewell you know and i don't think you're the only one that thinks that and i don't think it's even rude to say it because even doc during uh these points was starting to do interviews and stuff and he said you know when i got these guys and you know had the pro the prospect of you know getting them back in the makeup and getting back on tour i told them you're gonna now evolve from a 70s act to a legacy act to yeah. one of those bands right. so yeah everyone around it knew that this pulled them out of basically, for lack of a better term, Scorpion's territory. Well, <laughs> Scorpions still play, you know, the sheds and the bigger spots. They're not playing clubs. But like, this is also a time period where like uh, popular bands were showing off. Uh, their tattoos and their uh, memorabilia of specific members like ace tattoos or ace memorabilia peter memorabilia right. they, they were definitely like they were definitely a legacy act by this point but it's like that's what i said guys. the only other option was like i said is to go out less frequently which is if they wanted to sustain it they could have done that uh, you know to me if uh, from a managerial perspective and, and this ties into what i was talking about these one-off shows the startup costs and production costs or whatever they're obviously easily off or mu more easily offset and i shouldn't say easily but they're able to offset them to a greater degree that they could have gone out for for um you know we talked about psycho circus wasn't that long of a run no you could they could have gone out you know for six weeks at a time Maybe even just concentrate on certain areas of the country, yeah, and just toured every other summer, and and they could have continued to do that. Now they might have find that you know artistically not rewarding or whatever, but financially, I think that the Kiss would have sustained. I mean, essentially, like I said, what they ended up doing anyway. Well, so right. since they wound up doing that anyway, just as devil's advocate, thinking about it. It seemed as if every time they took a long period off the road. Ace and Peter started getting problematic. So maybe yeah. it was a situation according, of keeping them on the According to who? Because, I mean, Ace Everyone has always been Ace. Peter had already dropped off. His skills were diminished, but he was getting through the shows. I he mean, always had and, a good attitude. And, 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 and uh, you know, who knows? I mean, we I, can only speculate. Yeah, that. But I'm just I'm saying, from, from a business model point of view, it's like you could have sustained this thing. You didn't have to do this. So that's why I kind of felt like, yeah, this is going to be goodbye. And ultimately, as we're going to find, this does prove to be a farewell tour. Yeah. And to of me, sorts. It's, no, it's, 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 this is the farewell tour.
Kiss ceases to exist after this tour. Let's just, I, I, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. they already have. We've already said it's a duo What's, uh, with employees. Yeah. Well, then it kind of transitions it from being a band, you know, even though it's Paul and Gene's right. band, but now they're but slowly this, becoming the a iconic, franchise. The, well, but they, they, we'll get there. <laughs> the tour starts March 11th in Phoenix, Arizona. It's the. Um, Broadcast live on VH1. Yeah, uh, Ted Nugent and Skid Row are the opening acts. I've had buddies of mine for the majority of this tour. tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I remember Ted sort of co-hosted this this live special on VH1. I assume that's on um, YouTube. It YouTube. Is. Um, Pretty good show too. The show starts uh, with all four descending from the lights, and similar to the way they do now, it's opposite from. I liked it better when they raised from underneath the stage, like on the Dynasty tour. That to me was more dramatic. Um, Honestly, though, talking about stage show, since the Psycho Circus stage was really kind of crap, Reunion stage was cool, but still a little subdued. It looked like to me, it looked like a much cheaper production than even the uh, Reunion tour. Really, yeah. I thought this looked much cooler. I thought had this the was the better two logos stage on shows. either stage. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And, and the coming down from the ceiling, and honestly, they had better fireworks on this tour. Like did, like better like they did a lot of sparks. Usually they do like a lot of booms and stuff. But this was the year they started incorporating a lot of sparking kind of fireworks, and it looked see, that, really nice. See, I always thought that looked cheap to me. The sparks were like the cheap end of the really? power. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'll have to rewatch this one. They've added non-makeup era songs to the set. Yeah. Kind of to, you know, I have seen embody the this. entire history of the band. Yeah, uh, Heaven's on fire, and I love it loud. I get it, but I don't like it. <laughs> seeing ace and peter in full costume playing these songs is a little just too weird for jarring. me <laughs> and, and um, according to the band again not necessarily the truth but according to the band that was ace's choice was to include 80s material okay <laughs> well right <laughs> hey i'm just i'm just repeating what has been put out there <laughs> He was drunk and just kind of said it out loud and didn't remember saying it the next day. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so let's just hit some of the highlights or lowlights of this tour. Um, April 5th, Little Rock, Arkansas. Peter goes to the hospital after the show for reasons unknown. That's kind of odd. Hmm. And you wonder if that was some sort of ploy of whatever. I don't know. It says he uh, didn't sing Beth, nor did he sing Black Diamond. Yeah, so who knows what was going on there. He could have just been sick. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's it's older, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some of those um, recent releases of the uh, unedited um, Second Coming footage that Tommy shot, there's a lot of footage in there of Peter getting those massages he yeah. kept talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, he was genuinely having I'm problems. I'm sure he was. Uh, April 20th, they play in Charlotte. Yes. Sold out Woo! show. I took my son Cody, so he would have been about six or seven years old, and he has very little memory of anything other than Ted Nugent shooting a flaming arrow into a guitar. <laughs> so he, that's you know, the that's, one that stuck that's with what him. Stuck with him. I, uh, so I can't remember exactly, but uh, was that the one that mom was at, or was she the one the <laughs> night after? No, she was probably at this show, but we we went together with my ex-wife mm-hmm. and my friend Eric, your yep. stepfather. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, that would have been later. They, they We'll get to that. Well, they okay, they circled back around in the fall. Got it. That was the show I was supposed to go to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay. We'll get there. 
May 11th, Chicago. This show is cybercast on Pepsi Cola's website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does this exist? Uh, I'm, I'm sure it does. Uh, I didn't necessarily run across this one I've when I was watching I've never seen this footage. Uh, the, t- the two shows I wanted to watch and getting ready for this was that debut one that was shown on VH1 and then uh, what wound up being the last Kiss pay-per-view. Right. I don't understand why this wasn't archived somewhere and why it's not more readily available other than maybe the quality of it was just shit. I don't maybe. know. But I would think it's still... I mean, Kiss nerds hoard that shit. You would think it would be... Somewhere uh, out there, it's not on YouTube at yeah. least. It's, huh. What do so you know? I don't know. You know, I don't even know how successful the broadcast was. But I just thought it was interesting to note. Here's some mm-hmm. uh, a show that you know had to have been archived. But it it just, to, but somewhere. at the same time, you know who who really cares about this era? Nobody. Um, June seventh and twenty eighth, they're across the river from Madison Square Garden, so they're right. Or they're right in in the New York area. It's their mm-hmm. New York show. They don't play Madison Square Garden, interestingly enough, on this tour. Uh, they're in East Rutherford, this time at the Continental Airlines Arena. I guess that's not the same as the Brendan Byrne Arena. Uh, shows are filmed by a Japanese network called NHK. And these are the shows that are edited into the pay-per-view, uh, pay-per-view special yes. that is presented by Showtime in the States. And it airs as The Last Kiss on October 7th. And oddly, this doesn't get a DVD release until it's included on Kissology 3. Yep. I guess we can come back to that if you want, or we can address it now. There's not much really to... Um. Yeah, we'll kind of address it now. I remember this being the first full Kiss concert I ever saw. Okay. From okay. Being able to watch it on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh, did y'all? So y'all got the pay per view. Uh, Mom did. Yes, yeah. and she immediately copied it to a yeah. VHS oh, tape, yeah, of which we watched it a million right. times after. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So she got the pay per view. Uh, I remember she, we didn't have Direct TV. Mm-hmm. We had to go to. The, you'll find this funny. We had to go to my grandmother's house, her mother's house, to rent the pay per view to copy it wow. to a VHS tape. Now wait a minute. Let me inter- let me interject here yes. because. Uh, just as a point because no one knows what the hell you were talking about your grandmother Mm -hmm. was like my mother yes very (laughs) religious and very much uh the stereotype for the going back to detroit rock city mothers against the music of kiss yep that was that my was, mom. That, that was, was your grandmother. grandmother. Yeah. No, this, is, this is the same woman that after that Dynasty 2020s ABC special uh, in unison, both my grandmother and grandfather got up out of their seat, walked into my mom's room, took every piece of Kiss memorabilia out of there, put it in the fireplace, turned it on, turned to her and said, if you bring these devils back in this house again, it'll be the last thing you ever do. <laughs> so now, fast forward all the way back to 2000, mom's calling her up, I need to come over to your house and record Kiss on the TV. We're going to watch that devil music. <laughs> and she let her do it. She let her do it. She let you her know, it. I, I knew your grandmother, and she was always super nice and sweet. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know. We we laugh about this, you know. But uh, your your grandmother was always very sweet to me. So, but she I had understand what she had pity I, on you. Uh, well, <laughs> possibly, but I understand. I also understand the 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 dynamic between you know mother and child because we all have our yeah. shit or whatever. But uh, back to the show though. Uh, since I since mom copied it to VHS and I was able to watch it over and over. Outside of like some smaller like old Kiss clips that maybe you had sent us in the mail from like the Kiss Vision tapes and stuff like that. This was my first kind of front to back show that I saw. Mm-hmm. And 
Honestly, when I think about live Kiss songs or like a live Kiss song pops in my head, versions from this show are what I hear, like specific, like, you know, Paul Stanley raps mm-hmm. or the way he'll like go into a verse. I hear a lot of these versions. So this may not be the best show, especially rewatching it. I was like, mm. but this one, honestly, <laughs> it's, not bad. it's not, but this honestly does have kind of that special place in my kiss yeah. growing up heart. Now about like the, you know, overall seeing clips of this tour and everything too, their performances. Uh, I mean, is it, better than the reunion tour footage par. i think yeah, i think they had the same problem the reunion tour did the first handful of shows on that tour were pretty sloppy not that great but they hit that stride right in the middle where they were just on fire and then they were probably burnt out by the end i think by this point they were burnt out going in was able to kind of hold it together in the middle and then was completely done with it by the time we get <laughs> back to south carolina yeah. <laughs> August 19th in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Really, it's technically this is Dallas. This is an interesting story. This made news, too. This was kind of a, for for a nanosecond, this was kind of a big deal. Ace gets shot. (laughs) Not shocked. Shot. (laughs) With a gun. (laughs) With a newsy. (laughs) Okay, so this is a weird story, and the facts might be somewhat kind of jumbled here. Because it's Ace, and it's Kiss, <laughs> and who the fuck even knows? I will say, preemptively, Doc McGee still loves telling this. He told this story on the most recent Kiss Cruise, even. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, apparently it goes like this. And again, like I said, actual facts might not jive here, but this is this is essentially what I've got. we got to hear the legend. The band are hubbing in Dallas, meaning they are flying out of Dallas to all the regional shows you know this is not unusual bands have been doing this since the 70s they you know that way they get a a room that becomes their room for a week or 10 days or whatever excuse me um so they're humming out of dallas and so they have time you know that frees up more free time for them in the day uh ace meets with some friends how he has friends in texas who knows (laughs) 20 years of touring. Ace, Ace strikes me as one of those people that he just has friends, friends in every everywhere. state. Yeah. <laughs> what friends and why? Again, it's Ace who knows. Uh, so apparently he's out shooting rifles with these friends because... You're in Texas. You're in Texas and, <laughs> and you're, you're Ace, Ace. Fraley. <laughs> And his rifle misfires and somehow he gets a big cut on his hand and shrapnel in his chest. Yeah. And he laughs it off. You know, he's Ace. <laughs> Later in the hotel, he calls a girlfriend. Because Ace has girlfriends, right? Yes. In Texas. I don't know. Well, supposedly he had a girl on the road that wound up kind of being a liability. So this may have been that one. Well, she's not with him. He calls her. Oh, okay. And... Uh, he tells her that he's not feeling well because I got shot. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. She doesn't understand what the hell he's talking about. So he hangs up and she starts freaking out. So she calls the The hotel and the hotel then treat it as an active shooter situation and lock down the hotel. So, you know, this is, here we go, Ace Fraley, right? Uh, by this point, Ace is like falling asleep, passed out, whatever. And 
What are Doc bald? McGee and a bodyguard named Danny Francis go to the door and are banging on the door. Of course, Ace is out like a light. And they can get the door partially open, but it's got that safety bolt, mm. you know, where it opens up like an inch. <laughs> and all they can see is Ace's feet, mm-hmm. and he's unresponsive. Fuck. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, everyone's freaking the fuck out at this point, I'm sure. Um, then the SWAT team arrives. <laughs> Because it's Ace. <laughs> yeah, because by this point, not only did the girlfriend call the hotel, but she also called the local well, the police. Ho- the hotel called the police. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't bring the police. They brought the SWAT team. Yeah. Because they think it's an active shooter situation on the hotel ground. For Ace Fraley. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they realize it's Ace Fraley at this point. Or they want to send SWAT. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the by the way, it's Ace Riley. They're like, okay, we'll send the sheriff. Let him sleep. We'll send a deputy. Maybe they can figure it out. God damn it! They don't know what's going on. And of course, once you know, then you know they beat down the door, and the sheepish Ace is 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 sheepish Ace is awakened. Oh, hey, hey guys. And, you know, once everyone realized what's happened, all is forgiving because it's Ace fucking Fraley. <laughs> That's when it, beca- you know, and of course, what's he do? He poses for pictures with the SWAT team and signs autographs before he <laughs> goes to the hospital. And he's given medical attention for his superficial wounds and plays the show. Why? Because he's Ace fucking Fraley. That's pretty <laughs> rock and roll. Not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, this is like a great rock and roll story. You would expect to hear a story like this from like 1977 yeah. or 76. You'd expect to hear a story like this about Keith Moon or John Bonham, right? right? But of course, you also should expect a story like this from Ace Fairley. To me, this is the highlight of the farewell tour. And I know for Gene and Paul, this clearly illustrates why they should stop. But for me, this clearly illustrates why Ace Fairley is the fucking coolest member of KISS. And, and I mean, and, and the story of that is pretty true to even what Doc tells. Doc gave a little bit more detail, but all the beats were still correct. Uh, he got a phone call. Uh, not from the hotel, but from Ace's cousin that was around, which the way he tells it, it sounds like the same cousin that may have kind of been living around here. Like this, the names that he was using. John like, Hecht, he yeah. lives here in, he lives in Concord. Yeah. yeah, so it sounded like it could have been him, but he gets a phone call and he's like, Ace has been shot. He shows up, like you said, in the SWAT team, all that stuff. They get him to the hospital, but I thought you were about to say this when you said played. Ace started playing up his pain and started trying to beg the doctors for painkillers oh, in, in which doc was like no <laughs> and, had, and he said he did not leave ace's bedside the entire time because every time the nurses came in he started oh doc oh oh and he's like he's fine he's fine he's not he doesn't need the fucking pain meds he's not getting pain meds <laughs> and ace was, and he said honestly at that point that's the moment ace started like kind of treating him shitty because he would not let him get perks or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> well, this kind of this uh, simultaneously kind of begins the the beginning of their final third of their tour here, and the attendance is starting to drop. Um, they had strong attendance up until this point, but they're starting to see drop off in attendance. I speculate this to the rise of the internet. Um, fan reviews are far more prevalent with the rise of the internet that and it's more instantaneous. And I heard uh, I heard uh, 
a, a factoid that came up. This is almost 20 years ago where movies could be made or broken in a single night because of texting. Yep. Yeah. Word of mouth had now become texting. And um, I'm sure that this, all of this plays into it. The internet, texting, all this instant, instantaneous information exchange. Ticket prices, too, probably. Yeah, but I think people are less dissuaded by the ticket prices than they are hearing, oh, yeah, I saw Kiss, and it wasn't that good. Message boards or popping whatever. up, all that mm. stuff. You know, uh, the shows on this tour were pretty, we've talked about this, were pretty lackluster. The energy, the excitement, the you know, they didn't seem into it. Um I'm sure they had good shows. Um, But they do return to some cities for a second time, doubling down with the cheap ploy of a special encore performance. (laughs) You know, you wanted the best, and they're coming back again. Your last chance. One last chance. And Charlotte was one of those cities. And guess what? I was one of those suckers. (laughs) But I was able to get a second row seat. Via your mother. Yes. Alex. And I have a feeling you got my ticket. <laughs> I My memory of this was you were never going to be allowed to go. <laughs> Not to it's, burst your bubble, kid. But, you know, I'm, I, what can I say? I'm I sorry. <laughs> Had a great time, kid. <laughs> but before we get to that, uh, attendance examples. When I talk about the attendance start dropping off, I've got a few examples uh august 28th wichita kansas the attendance is 6700 decent but that's you know rewind um, a couple years ago yeah ames iowa ames iowa what that i don't know what market that is ames iowa august 30th the attendance is 5900 rockford illinois which is north of chicago Mm -hmm. chicago september 2nd attendance is 3800 Wow, and you would think the that location in the Midwest would be like the really yeah. big part of their audience. Uh, September fifteenth, Binghamton, New York, thirty two hundred. Damn. Um, and then on October or excuse me, September eighteenth, Providence, Rhode Island, Peter began painting a teardrop under his right eye. Yes, this is an important. This is this is something that doesn't get I think discussed properly. He's upset because he does not like the terms of his contract. Yeah. But here's what isn't ever explained, I think, clearly. The reason why he was upset wasn't because he wasn't getting paid you know, enough. It was that he wasn't getting paid equal to what Ace was making. Right. This really is the fault of whoever is managing. I don't know if he still has George Seward as his manager or not. You know, they should have got, he should have, if he was representing both guys, he should have gotten a favored nations clause, meaning once one guy got a bump, the other one had to get a bump, you know, to keep it commensurate. Yeah. And both parties have said that it was Ace that came to Peter and said, hey, Ace finally like, opened up, was like, hey, I'm making more it's than kind, you. It is kind of convenient, though, that it was right near the end of the tour. Ace got a conscience, but <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it, it caused a strain in their friendship. Yeah. Um, but I do find that interesting, though, that both sides have corroborated that Ace was the one. Like, it wasn't something that just kind of came out. That, but I find that kind of an... We don't hear a lot of, like, humanities, like, sweet things from Ace. And, like, even though, again, as I mentioned, kind of a little late, five or six shows left on the tour, he mentions it. But 
at the same token, it is kind of interesting that he did sit him down and was like, "Hey, I have not been truthful with well, you." Hey, man, the, guy got sh- the guy got shot. But he it's won't. not his he, fault. He could have gotten away with it's it. It's not his fault. But yeah, he should have. He could have helped lobby for for I guess Peter. But I mean, they should have thought of that. That is something Absolutely. that they could have seen as a potential problem. And it's like maybe they did, and it was just like you know, Doc McGee was like, "Oh, we'll, 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 we'll cover it when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there." It's like do <laughs> the right fucking, fucking thing. They don't care because. Again, Kiss isn't a band; it's a duo. I'm going to double down on that as much as I possibly can. Um, Peter, but to his credit, September 27th, Peter's contract expires, and he could have walked. Yeah, you know. But there's seven more shows, and for whatever reason, he agrees to do these next seven shows. Why I don't know. He, hmm. He's clearly unhappy. I I can't find any details as to what was the persuasive element that kept them on board for these next seven shows. Honestly, it may just come down to the simple thing of pride. Possibly. Mm. Um, like I said, maybe, I don't know, but Peter does seem like one of those prideful people that like my actions speak louder than words. I'm going to at least continue these dates that so, I said I was going to yeah, do. I got a job to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've, we kind of got a little bit, we're, we're, we're circling back. We're kind of confusing things here. October 6th, is when they play their second show in Charlotte on yeah. this tour. The one that I got the second row seat to mm-hmm. that you said was your seat. Possibly. I say possibly. Actually, no. Then- what happened was, <laughs> what happened was, was your, is, if I remember right, yeah, this, God, this is 2000, this is 2000, 2000. 2000? Yeah. Um, 22 years. Oh, you can do it. <laughs> I think your mom went through a ticket broker to buy these tickets mm-hmm. and i bought tickets and I, I got like 14th row right and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> and she called me and goes do you want the second seat and i had already got these other two seats so that's how it ended up being you know it was probably a shit move on my part but it was a different time uh you know <laughs> like my wife and my best friend and like you guys go sit there <laughs> i'm going with my friend rebecca up to the second row <laughs> um well the reason i say i feel like that was going to happen is because of course by this point i have fallen in love with kiss right and how old are you at this point you're not even 10 no I, i'm eight nine somewhere in that area so around, I have fallen deep in love with the man. Mom, I want to see him. I want to see him. That first time around, it was no, you're too young. You know, you don't need. To. But then it, I hear she's going to go see him again. Mom, I really want to go. Mom, I really want to go. And I've confirmed with her later on and gotten like the story after I was an adult kind of thing. She says she got the ticket in mind with me going, but then thought, well, if they're doing it two times. They've got to do it a third time. And if they do it the third time, he's going to be a little older. He might remember it a little better. I'm going to I'm going to do that one. But that part never happens. So no, it, it, I have a feeling that she, I would like to think she's being truthful with me and that she, she went into it with the mind frame of I saw it once. Now the second time I'm going to take Alex, but then it was well if they come through a third time, I'll do it then. <laughs> well, I, my memory was it was not a very good show. Um, I remember at one point they all fell out of time. And I felt like watching it, I felt like it was Gene's fault. Really? And Gene turned around and looked at 
Peter and stopped playing, folded his arms, shook his head, very pronounced, no, and then stomped his foot. One, two, three, four. <laughs> so this is before click tracks. But and I'm all going, that the, or you ears. know what? I don't think Peter was out of time, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> because everyone else looked at Gene like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so embarrassing to see them, on, you know, do that. And it was also a show, and I don't remember, I'm pretty sure it was this show where he's playing. This has gotten written up in other places where someone passed him Blue Roses while he was singing Beth. Yeah. And you could tell he was genuinely touched by that. Yep. For some reason. I, I, I think it was like, that was like his mom's yeah. favorite flower or something Peter's like that. Peter's very sentimental. So, yeah. but that seemed like it was, it, it felt like a very genuine moment in this otherwise kind of train wreck of a huge production that is just limping down to its final day, which of course is the very next day in Charleston, South Carolina, October 7th, 2000. Yeah. The final kiss concert ever. Charleston, South Carolina. Wait, wait, let me, let me, re- let me, can I restate that? Go, go, go ahead. Go right ahead. The Christ. final ahead. Kiss concert ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is historic for that fact alone, because this indeed makes it the farewell tour. This band has not shared the stage together. Well, with the exception of Rock, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which, of course, they did not perform. No. Kiss has not performed the original lineup since this date. So by rights, you could say this was indeed a legitimate farewell tour. So they kept their word? <laughs> well, by whether, you know, right. and the yeah. four guys. And obviously, yeah. the duo that is Kiss, the business has kept going. But the original four guys, this is an historic moment. And it doesn't get a lot of play. It doesn't get a lot of... And, of course, no one knew it at the time. No. That's kind of the the kind of a sad thing. But those people in Charleston that saw that show saw the last ever Kiss concert. And something that Cap kind of mentioned just kind of off the cuff. Charleston, South Carolina. I know. <laughs> that well, is an interesting place to call it a day. Well, it's or it's, it's also it's also interesting that it's like is that the end of a leg of the tour and obviously they're going to go to Japan. I'm not going to count that as part of the farewell tour. We'll talk about that in the next episode. So they obviously had other dates and perhaps they intended to come back. I don't know. But that but, is just But there was no final date announced at this point. Of any sort, no, none. You know, we knew it was the farewell tour, but the actual final concert had not yet been announced. I don't know if there was a plan in place for that. What that plan would be, I've never found any information in regards to that, or if they even had a plan in place for that. But this proved to be the final ever Kiss concert. Yeah, you could, you know, as far as what we've talked about, the delineation between K I S S capitals and then. K lowercase i right. yeah, there's two different things the franchise yeah Peter famously smashes his kit in frustration at the end of the show which is pretty fucking cool it, it reminded <laughs> me of the uh, the TV special like, uh, the, uh, uh, midnight special yes it reminded me of that I was just like yes that's awesome and again <clears throat> to your point of it not really being something discussed or shown or done a lot of you know there's pro shot. Of every one of those shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's never made it it's out. It's never made it out, except for, I think, on one of the Kissology DVDs, 
almost like one of those little bonus feature things or like during a credit of some sort. Easter egg. Yeah, it pops back to the end of Black Diamond with Peter kicking over his drum kit and all from that, that other show? from that show. Yeah. And it's beautifully pro shot. Yeah. It's it's high quality. So it's like it they goes to show they have that entire show multicam. Well, they HD, don't want that to ever be perceived it. as the last ever Kiss show. No, which you is know. which is weird, you know. Well, it, they don't look at it. You know, the Kiss is whoever the four guys that they want to say is Kiss anymore. You know, but is a true diehard that era. I mean, those guys, those four guys. That's what made. There's no reason for that band to exist after that. Well, if a particular leaker is ever listening to this show, that Charleston, South Carolina date, if anyone happens to have that, if that pops up on YouTube, that'd be pretty cool to see. It might be. I'm sure the show (laughs) probably was not much better than the one I saw the night before. So I got to see the next to last ever. I know, that's right. pretty cool. That's <laughs> um, like capping our story of like catching like Lemmy on his like last four or five shows. Show, next to last like show, that. yeah. <laughs> but this whole, overall, this whole tour feels pretty anticlimactic because it didn't have a you know a climatic moment. It just the, you know you didn't have your quote unquote farewell show. No. And um, now they were supposed to go to Japan from November thirteenth to the twentieth. Well, we'll get to that on the next episode. Oh, I didn't know if you wanted to just round up two thousand because no, no. these shows didn't because even to happen. me this is the farewell. Got and I want okay. I want my, yeah. you know I wanted this to be this is it. Yeah, okay. This is the end of an era. You know, anything they do now is definitely like you said, franchise. Yeah, it's, it's perpetuating that franchise. But this is the fucking franchise. This is the reason why it exists. No other reason for this band to exist other than built off of what they did in the seventies by those four guys. Yeah, and here it is. This is the last time these four guys are on the stage playing together. It's never going to happen again. Just not. Nope. You know, and you're only going to see them on stage together one more time. Uh, 15 years later almost in suits <laughs> yeah but so this whole thing feels kind of anticlimactic it's a sad ending for an otherwise great band um, that's kind of the pattern with like a lot of stuff that's happened since whether it's a farewell tour or a, a hall of fame induction or and this whole thing just seemed like a half-assed production to me going back again it's the staging in pyro wasn't very impressive uh, there are many malfunctions and mistakes over the course of the tour. Yes. The flying rigs routinely broke down. Uh, the band routinely made mistakes. Everybody wants to just go home. And attendance was strong owing to the farewell ploy for the first th- two-thirds of the tour. But like I said, by the third, final third, I think word of mouth was out. You know, this isn't as great as that reunion tour was. It couldn't be. You know, they had reached as far as they could go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and talking yeah. about just interesting <clears throat> stuff, this has been on YouTube for years, but uh, speaking back to that East Rutherfordton show, um, it may have been Tommy. Someone else may have been doing it by then, but there's a video footage of backstage of them before that show. And then there's a clip of them kind of under, kind of side stage mm-hmm. when Peter's doing Beth. Yeah. And you see Ace and Gene just kind of sitting there catching their breath, you know, sipping on some water, you know, just kind of getting geared up to go back out. And you hear Peter's mic cut off. 
and you see Gene just immediately whip over and he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, he starts, like, losing it. And then Peter just goes back there, my fucking microphone, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny seeing them at, like, that boiling point. And then two seconds later, they're walking back out on stage. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, my grins. God. <laughs> Peter's jumping up and down, shaking his fists and everything like he does. And I'm just like, wow, they really knew how to fucking keep it off stage. <laughs> um, I, you know, it was, it was probably right for them to end when they did even Um, though as you said two years too late two years too late they weren't going to top that uh reunion tour no and uh, you know the the shock and awe had kind of faded away and like i said for them to continue as the franchise touring sporadically which they would do for the next 10 years i think it's another 10 years before they may try to make another record but we'll all that we'll cross that bridge when we get there um but like I said, uh, and there's going to be a run of dates in Japan, but I, I don't consider the, they're part of the farewell tour, quote unquote, but I don't consider this part of the farewell. This to me was the farewell because this is the last time the four guys are together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by and rights, it is this interesting is it. that everything we discussed outside of a couple, like handful of like in- individual dates in 99, all of this happened in 2000. Yeah. Think about how long that reunion tour was. Psycho Circus was a bit of an anomaly just out of all their tours for how short it was. Mm-hmm. But for something like a farewell tour that wound up being with the original four, all encapsulated within 2000. With their A and B markets. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, none of what follows really counts. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of disincluding so, all within 2000. I think that's pretty interesting. Why do I think it doesn't count? Well, we'll find out next time on No Time to Turn, and we'll see exactly why everything kind of starts spiraling. Yeah. So I have a different take. Well, that, that's great. <laughs> so it'll make things interesting. So tune in next time, and we'll see you next time on No Time to Turn.
another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash something good network